couple of weeks ago, I preached a sermon about that I'm enough. Remember that? That I am enough. You are enough because of what Jesus has done for you. But i got to admit, a lot of days, it doesn't feel like it. Doesn't it? Doesn't it feel like this is hard and that I'm struggling and I'm not quite getting it right and I'm just not measuring up? And as I was thinking about that, I think it's because on my own, left up to me, I'm not enough. You know, and as I go through life in a lot of situations, I look at myself and say, I, I, I got to get better because I can't do this. You know, do you ever feel that way? Like, you know, let's just say that you're uh, any, any fun task you do, hobby, whatever, you practice and work at it so that you get better. And so then we come to the church and we come to Christ and it seems we bring that mentality with us that I'm not enough and I'm not doing this well, so I need to work harder to become what I should be so Jesus will be happy with me. And so what we know, what we've proved over and over is on our own, I'm not enough. And no amount of working or good deeds or good thoughts or a better approach to this life will make me be enough. I cannot do that. You cannot do it. What I'm saying is when we get to heaven, we won't be able to stand before the throne on that day and say, look what I did. It won't be enough. But thanks be to God, Jesus gave me what I needed. He did it for me. I said this a couple of weeks ago, I just repeat it because I like the thought so much. Every religion in the world... The purpose of every religion religion is to change and make the person, the follower, better and better and better so that when they get to the end of that religion, they are now acceptable by God. Jesus violates that whole thing and says, I make you acceptable to God. So other religions' ending point is followers of Jesus' beginning point. Jesus makes us acceptable. 2 Peter chapter 1, 2 Peter 1 verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So let's dig into that. What's that saying? Divine power. Through the power of the Almighty, the creator of all things, the one who made you and made everything that you know and think and feel and touch and smell, that God, that divine power... Jesus has given us everything we need. Now our enemy, steal, kill, and destroy, right? So in Jesus, everything I need. When these thoughts go through your head that you don't have everything you need, that's a lie from your enemy. Don't agree with the lie. 
stand on the truth by the divine nature of God Almighty in the form of Jesus Christ, I have everything I need. I lack nothing to do what the Heavenly Father wants me to do. It's not a lack of resources or ability. Because I've been given that. I've been given everything I need for a godly life. What's a godly life? What's that look like to you? Well, the best answer I can give you is the whole reason that Jesus left and came to live here was to demonstrate a godly life. So that he, through living a godly life, could be the ultimate sacrifice for us, could have victory over death, and give this divine nature to all of us. So if you ever want to know what a godly life looks like, look to Jesus. Look at Jesus. This is not a list of rules. Um, It's impossible, right? We, We prove this over and over with government, with household rules, with family life. We make rules to make life better, and the rules never, ever work. They don't accomplish the goal, do they? Ever. They come close, and they prevent a little chaos, but there's always the letter of the law and the spirit of the law. And what's the letter of the law always do? It always pervert, perverts the law. Right? You never get what you want when you follow the letter of the law. That's not the godly life. The godly life is Jesus. Looking at Jesus, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus say? How would Jesus feel? That's always the definition. And that's why you read and study your Bible. That's why you walk with Jesus day to day. So you can know him better. So you can have the example of what a godly life looks like. Which you are able to keep because you've been given uh, everything you need by the divine power. So his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. If you do not know Jesus, you you can't live like Jesus, right? You You see the problem of living blind? If I don't have the knowledge of God, I cannot begin to live like that because I don't even know what it looks like. But through this divine power, He's given us everything so that through our knowledge of Him, our knowledge of Jesus... We could be called by his own glory and goodness. The glory and goodness of Jesus Christ calls us. Okay? See where we're going here? So it's through the glory and goodness of Jesus that he's given us this very great and precious promises. So that through them you might participate in the divine nature. So it's his divine power that has given us everything we need so that through the knowledge of Jesus, those of us who are called by that glory and goodness could share in that divine nature. There's little slogans that I hate and you know the first one I'm going to say. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I hate that. I used to be a sinner. Okay? You used to be a sinner. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you used to be a sinner. But if you are a follower of Jesus, I'm sorry you don't get to play the I'm just a sinner card. You're no longer a sinner if you're a follower of Jesus. You are a saint who might occasionally sin. 
You are no longer a sinner. You are a saint. You've been transformed. You've been made new. So that through this great and glorious goodness of God that he's given you everything you need so that you can participate in his divine nature. You can participate in that. What happens? What's it look like to participate in the divine nature? It means you've escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Now see, here's where it gets rough for us. Because we read this verse and see what the truth is. And then we compare ourselves to this verse. And we say, well, that's not my experience. That's not what's happening to me. I have not escaped the corruption of evil desires. I have evil desires every day, all the time. I believe you. Does that mean it's the way it's supposed to be? See, the the Bible is painting the picture here for us of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And if your experience and what you're doing doesn't line up with the pattern from Scripture, guess which thing's out of whack? If your experience is not that you are participating in the divine nature and you've escaped the corruption of the evil desires, let me tell you, there's more to this than you know. You've just scratched the surface. The work is done, thanks be to God. There's nothing I can do to get the divine nature except that Jesus gives it to me and to you. And he's given that, and he's given it so that we can escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Oh yes, we sin, and we might sin tomorrow. But do you know you're no longer in bondage to sin? You are no longer a slave to sin. You do not have to sin this afternoon or tomorrow. And I just throw out in times like these, why let that be an option? Why consider that, well, I sinned yesterday and I'll sin today? Really? You participator of the divine nature who've been given everything you need to live a life full of glory and goodness? You have these great and precious promises and and you're willing to settle for, oh well, I'm just a sinner. There is more to this life than that. As a follower of Jesus, I have been changed. I'm a new creation, as are you. So does that mean that then because Jesus did this transformation in me, that it's over and I'm just like Forrest Gump waiting for the bus? Waiting for Jesus to come back and take us all home. Check. I have a new nature. I'm done. No. That's not what Scripture teaches. The next verse. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. For this very reason. In other words, because you have a new nature. Because Jesus has made these changes in you. He's made these promises through His glory and goodness. Because of that... Make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. Um, I know that Jesus said that "Come come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. 
And we have entered into God's rest. We now have uh, peace with God. And we know who we are. Our sins have been dealt with. I'm a new creation. And now we enter into the effort part of being a follower of Jesus. Where it requires work to follow Jesus. Now I know I want to be zapped like the rest of you. Right? I want this new nature and then I want Jesus to go, bam, there you are. Everything's perfect. You're just like me. But that's not the way God set it up. I can think of many reasons why he would not set it up that way. One is because we need this transformation and healing process. Um, If God zapped you, it's kind of like a king. And if the king who had all the power of his kingdom chose a beautiful maiden to be the queen, the king has every right and every authority to say, you are my queen. Now, he could do that, right? But maybe she doesn't want to be the queen. Maybe she has to speak words of love to him because he is her king, but her heart is far from the king. How can the king know that this beautiful maiden loves him? By not forcing her to marry him or forcing her to be queen. He has to step back, maybe even humble himself and come to her, not even as the king, to see if she loves him, then later to reveal that he's the king. Otherwise, he would never know. I think it's the same way with God. God could zap us and totally fix us, but he would never know that we loved him. Nor would we. We would just know we have to. So instead of that, he gives us the opportunity to show our love for Him. To choose Him over other things. Every moment, every second, every time some electrical surge goes through your brain, you have the choice to decide God or something else. And God wants you to always choose God, but He never makes you choose God. So for this reason, make every effort... To choose God. What's that look like? Well, you have faith in God, which is how you got your nature converted by believing in Jesus, right? You started by saying, I believe that Jesus is who He said He was. He's the Lord and Savior. And I want the forgiveness of sins. And I submit myself to you, King Jesus. Faith. And that is a wonderful, wonderful place to be. Because your divine nature has changed because of Jesus Christ. But you can't stop there. We move on into goodness. What's it mean to be good? It means to do the right thing. That's where this I'm just a sinner saved by grace thing just really falls apart for me. Because if I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, by faith in Him I'm a new creation. And now my life must change. My actions, that new nature that's on the inside of me must bear fruit on the outside of me. 
My words must change. My thoughts must change. My actions must change. I must live in goodness. Doing what Jesus would do. You see, this is the crazy thing of like the apple tree, right? That bears fruit. If I don't know what happened this year, but my apple tree took the year off. It's an apple tree. I know it is. Because it has, it has produced apples in the past. But it's not this year. There's no apple. Maybe one. What happened? Did it stop being an apple tree? No. But it's not producing the fruit that an apple tree should. And many of us find ourselves in that state. We are the new creation. I've been made holy and divine, a royal priesthood, a member of the family of God. But the fruit in my life isn't, it's not there. Okay? And you know what happens if that apple tree doesn't do that next year? Look, I don't like that apple tree anyway, right? It's on a fine line with me. One more year messing up, it's gone. I don't need that. An apple tree that doesn't bear apples, that's nuts. A follower of Jesus who doesn't produce goodness? That's nuts. Who needs that? It's ridiculous. It's not the way it's supposed to be at all. As a follower of Jesus, we must have goodness. But it doesn't stop there. So we, we, we've become a new creation and, and we are now doing good. And then we add to that knowledge. Because I can only do the good I know to do. And, and, you know, it's like when you're five and you say, God is good, God is great, let us thank Him for our food, amen. That's great. That's a nice prayer for a five-year-old. When you're 58 and that's the depth of your prayer, not so good. Right? So I have to grow in knowledge of God to where I have intimacy with Him because I know Him. Jesus said, I know the Father and He knows me. And we're one because of it. And that's what happens. I've been married now for almost 33 years. Almost 34 years, like I was saying. And uh, I know this woman, right? I know her. I know how she acts. I know how she's going to respond. And it's fun for me to mess with her because I know so much about how she's going to do. So I can tweak her word a little bit and watch what responds. And it's a great thing for me because I know her. But I, I do that because I love her and we have this intimate relationship. That's the way it is with Jesus. As I grow closer and closer to Him, I know Him and He knows me. And it is in that knowledge of Him that my love for Him grows and grows because I see how He treats me and how He loves me. I enjoy His sense of humor, the way He is just uh, exceedingly abundant in all the things that He gives me that I need. And it draws me closer and closer to Him. Knowledge. And then to add to that knowledge then self-control. Now this is not the kind of control that, excuse me, that is all dependent upon me. That I will not do that. I will not do that. This is the spirit. This is the spirit-controlled type of self-control, where I say, "I will follow you." My part in self-control is saying no to my own ways and yes to following Jesus. So I submit myself to Jesus. We can't really get past any of these things until we've covered the submission area, can we? 
I must submit to Jesus. And if there's any area of my life that I'm holding back from Jesus, that means Jesus isn't Lord. He's become my advisor, my counselor, but not my Lord because my Lord is in charge of every area of my life. So if there are areas in your life where you have not submitted to Jesus, maybe you should reconsider and submit those to Jesus. Add to self-control perseverance. Now, this world has a way of just wearing everything down, doesn't it? Whether it be the Grand Canyon or some stone that's in the water or any mechanical thing you own that gets worn down or even you and your body, it just wears down. And there's something in us, at least something that's in me, that makes me want to quit so often. This is just not worth it anymore. I'm done. Not in Jesus. I'm not done. I have more. In Him, when I guard my heart in Him and the wellspring of life is filled back up, which we all need rest. Every one of us needs rest. We need a Sabbath. Sabbath wasn't created for... Man wasn't created for Sabbath. Sabbath was created for man. Because I need a Sabbath. You need a Sabbath. That means you need to rest. Okay? So that your heart, which you're guarding, can be filled back up because it is the wellspring of life. Then you can mount on the wings like eagles and soar. So if you're tired, if you're ready to quit, I submit that maybe you need a little rest. Maybe you should take a little time off to recover so that you can persevere. See, the whole biblical pattern is, is that I work and then I rest, and then I work and then I rest. And if you work and 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 don't rest, you will eventually quit because you can't do that. You're not made that way. You must rest. You must find times and ways to replenish yourself. Physically, spiritually, mentally. So that you can persevere. And we add to our perseverance godliness. Everything we've been talking about, from the new nature to all of these things being good and, and knowing God and having self-control and persevering, is also that we can have godliness. And that means being like God. Now that doesn't mean that I'm the great creator and I'm in charge of everything. It means that I'm holy. And I'm loving. And I'm caring and I'm protecting. All the things and the natures of the characteristics of God should be present in your life more and more. Uh, being godly and then we get to mutual affection. Mutual affection. Do you know what the greatest command is? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Mutual affection. Um, My mom used to tell me, you don't have to like them, but you do have to love them. And... I never want to offend my mother, but I don't think that's accurate. I think you have to like them. 
I don't think it's possible to love somebody that you don't also like. Uh, it's a nice, it's a nice thought. Now, let me say what I think she meant. You don't have to like what they do, but you have to love them. Okay. This is a hard thing and a fine line to know how to have mutual affection for somebody that you think is completely evil and incarnate. You know, in the what's the right word I'm trying to think of? I can't remember. Completely evil, never doing anything good. And how can I love that person? And I would back you up to the previous step here, which was godliness. Because while I was still a sinner, God loved me. He loved me while I didn't care what He did at all. He loved me. Enough to die for me, knowing that I may not even accept the offer that He's giving me. He died anyway. And knowing that that's the way the kingdom of heaven works and that's the way that God works says to me, Tony, that's the way you have to love every man, woman, boy, and girl. We just had 9-11 this week where we remember those planes that flew into the World Trade Center. Do you love the men who flew those planes into that building and killed thousands? Would you accept them being in heaven eternally with you? We must. Does that mean that it was okay for them to do that? No, it was not okay. It was terrible. It was evil. Does that mean I don't have the obligation to love them? In my mind, it means I have even a stronger obligation to love them. Not approve of what they've done. Now we come down to right next door to your neighbor who does this really evil thing that you hate. I don't know what it is, right? Maybe they don't keep their yard the way they should, or maybe their dog barks all night, or maybe they don't wave when you walk by. This really terrible thing that they do. And you're so mad at them. Where does mutual affection come in? You need to love them. Maybe you need to love their dog as much as they love their dog. Even though he barks all night and keeps you up. Or maybe you need to love that their house is not painted and that their porch is trashy. And they do play loud music all night. And they don't keep their kids out of your yard. Whatever it is, right? You know the neighbors I'm talking about. The ones you don't like. Mutual affection. And add to your mutual affection, love. Love. Self-denying, sacrificial love that is eternal. Now I just want to back up and say, we're supposed to make every effort to do this. Every effort. Every effort. Okay? What's the most important thing you got going on today? Well, I would submit that it's adding to your faith goodness and to your goodness knowledge and to your knowledge self-control and to your self-control perseverance and to your perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. Because it is in the end at love 
for then I'm truly like God. Because God is love. When I get there, that's God. Love. You see, these things matter. It's not just an optional thing of, oh, that's a good idea. I think I'll get my merit badge in that. No, it's not the way it is. You need these things. And, and since you have this nature given to you by Jesus Christ, you should live differently. Verse 8. For if you, perfect, if you possess, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. So as a follower of Jesus, you have a choice. As a follower of Jesus, you can make every effort to possess these qualities. Or you cannot. If you don't, you will be ineffective and unproductive in the kingdom of heaven. If you don't, it means that you have forgotten that you've been cleansed from your past sins. You know that parable where Jesus healed ten blind men? And one of them came back and the nine didn't? Those nine were foolish, weren't they? We love to kick those nine around. Don't be one of the nine. Forgetting that you've been cleansed of your past sins means that you will not be adding these things in increasing measure to your life. You don't have to tell me how you feel about it. We can tell by whether you have these characters, these qualities in increasing measure. If you have these qualities in increasing, increasing measure, then you will be effective and productive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you know that Jesus saved you for a reason. And the reason was not so that you could be with Him forever, although you will. The reason He saved you is so that you could have life now in this kingdom and in the kingdom to come. And having these qualities in increasing measure lets you live the life that Jesus gave you to live. But if you don't have them, you forgot that you have a new nature. You forgot that you've been cleansed. Verse 10, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Once again, make every effort. This is work following Jesus Christ. Because I have things in my garden that got to be pulled out and, and, and torn up. Just like we, we talked earlier this summer about being good soil and becoming good soil. And that to be the good soil, i got to take the things out of me that make me be bad soil. And it's the same way here. As I remove things from my life, these other things fill in and, and prosper and grow of goodness and knowledge and self-control. 
and perseverance. And when I have them and I make every effort to have them, then I will do these things and I will never stumble. So remember, I started by saying, you have this divine nature, but many times we don't live in it and don't live like it. This is how. Because we don't have these characters and these qualities in our life in increasing measure. Now my effort is not in changing my nature. Jesus changed my nature. My effort is in producing the fruit that comes from that nature. That these things are more and more in my life. I cannot change who I am. But I can change what I do because of who I am. I am not helpless and hopeless. She did not make me so mad. Right? I chose to respond in anger at what she said. I chose. I can either choose to have these characters and these qualities in increasing measure, or I can choose to live my life on my own. I have that choice. But it comes at a cost. When I choose to not follow Jesus Christ and to not be changed and conformed and transformed to His image, then I'm ineffective, unproductive, ungrateful. I forgot that I have a new nature. And I will not receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This verse does not say, I will not be welcomed into the kingdom. It says, I will not receive a rich welcome into the kingdom. I'm not saying you're not saved and you have to do these things to maintain your salvation. That's not what I'm saying. I don't believe that. But I do believe that once I come to Jesus Christ, I must make every effort to live as Jesus lives, to think as Jesus thinks, to speak as Jesus speaks. I must make these efforts. Then I will be effective and productive in the kingdom of heaven, both now and in the one to come, where I will receive a rich welcome. So as a follower of Jesus, you have this new nature. What are you doing with it? Are you still living the way you lived before you became a follower of Jesus? Or are you being transformed? Being made new and holy? Letting Jesus heal your broken heart and set you free? When you live in this new nature... And these characters and these qualities are in you in increasing measure because you choose them over something else. You will be rewarded. You will do what your new nature calls you to do. In other words, you'll be consistent, living out of who you are, not being a hypocrite. And it says you will never stumble. Never stumble. I want some of that. Don't you? Never stumble? It's the, off, it's the offer. It's the option. It's available that I could live a life that is not full of constant missteps. I want that. I want to make every effort to have that. 
not tossed to and fro, thrown back and forth, and today I'm good and tomorrow I'm bad. No, no, no. I want to know what the goal is and what it looks like, and I want to stay on course to get there day by day by day. Yes, that's what I want. And that sounds a whole lot like life and freedom to me. Which is what Jesus has offered us. Life and freedom. By making the right choice to submit to Jesus moment by moment. Not saying, well Jesus, I know you don't want me to do this, but i got to do this and then I'll be back later today. Right? Now, I think if we had that conversation, at least we would be true and honest with ourselves. Own it. If you're going to choose that, at least own it. And say, yep, that's what I did. At least that, instead of lying to yourself. The reason I say that is, the more you own it and live in it, the more you'll realize that's not the right choice. It's a bad choice. Follow Jesus. Submit to Him. Moment by moment, I would, I would encourage everyone when you get up in the morning to start your day like this, Jesus, I give you myself completely. Everything about me, I surrender to you today, Jesus. What I eat, what I say, where I go, what I think, surrender it all to you, Jesus. Lead me in all of these areas. Anything I missed, my stuff, my home, my vehicles, my toys, my clothes, I submit it all to you, Jesus. My money, I submit it to you. My time, I submit it to you, Jesus. Everything about me, I submit to you. Lead on, O King Eternal. Now, somewhere during the day, I might snatch something back that I take it, that I've handed over to Jesus. All right. As soon as I become aware that I took control of something, I give it back. I don't want to do that, Jesus. I don't want to be the leader of my life. I want to follow you. I want to think what you think and say what you say. Recommit, rededicate, and renounce the other things. And day by day, moment by moment, you will have these increasing qualities in your life that make you effective and productive in the kingdom of heaven because you are able to love and instruct and correct and protect those around you, which is what followers of Jesus Christ do. Jesus, uh, we thank you for this new nature that you've given us. We know that we are holy, that we are priests, that we are joint heirs with you, that we are your brothers. More than that, that we are your lover, Jesus. You love us. And it's the knowledge of that that makes us draw close to you. We want to know you better, Jesus, and follow you closer.